Well, hello there, and welcome to episode 56 of the Rock Podcast. For those who had a pod, we salute you. This is one of those episodes where we interview someone, and this time it's Chris Sumby, the man, the myth, the legend, the director of show, production, and, all importantly, band bookings at the mighty Stone Dead Festival. Without further ado, here he is. It's Chris Sumby, everyone. Hello. How are you doing, Chris? Mighty fine. Hello. How are welcome. You? Welcome to our... Well, we're good. Welcome to our humble podcast. Um, Thank you for We're very me. pleased to have you. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. Meet Brian. You met Brian. Um, Hi, Chris. And, uh, my name's Matt. We are veterans. And dare I say, Chris, you've created a monster. Not just you. I know you've got your, your, the rest of your team. But Stone Dead has become a phenomenon in a relatively short space of time. Where did it all start? Uh, it was a, a conversation. Well, to be honest, it could have started quite a few years before it actually did. There was conversations on Facebook on the Monsters of Rock Veterans group um, about sort of, you know, we could do our own festival and all this. And I'd actually done a very small indoor event in Sunderland for six, seven years. Um, so I'd said, I've got a little bit of experience of this and I also booked bands for Sunderland University. So I, I threw my hat into the ring and, you know, um, those conversations happened and then it was a case of interest died down. And then in 2017, the, the conversation flared up and I think the right people sort of like said, oh, I'd be interested in that, I'd be interested in that, and it all kind of came together. I think we started off with, um, I think with those 10 people initially in the that first group, and then it slowly, slowly, slowly dwindled down to um, five before we sort of got 2018 mm -hmm. off the ground properly and in, into the swing of things. Um, so, yeah, it's as I say, it all started from Facebook just to, a general sort of like, oh, we could do this, and basically the the stars aligned, and uh, it all kind of came together. And I was given initially the job of um, putting the the bill together, which that first year, as you can imagine, for a new event after other events had kind of appeared and, and then crashed and burned, a mm. lot of um, agents and management were quite sort of sceptical about like some fans come along and. We had to kind of work really hard that first year to get that lineup together. But, you know, we, we got to the August of 2018. Uh, we did 1,800 people. Um, we went in the red. We didn't lose any money. We didn't lose our houses, which was the big the big fear of having to sort of tell our other halves that we weren't going to be able to go on holiday for six years and we were going mm. to eat rice and peas forever. Uh, so all in all, that was a, a success, you know, from sort of just a chat on Facebook, really. So what were those first, uh, you're right, I mean, you started from scratch. Um, what were those first conversations like with um, the bands that you had back in 2017, 18? Obviously, as you said, the first time. And you had um, Fallen Mafia, Hand of Dimes, Greg Bonnet, and so on. Um, but, you know, Skid Row, how did you how did you broach the subject with their management, for example? <laughs> um, well, obviously, well when we were putting the lineup together, the way we did it the first year is because we only had a small amount of cash available initially. So we, we, we put Graham Bonnet, Massive Wagons and Cromwell on, on the poster first, um, got that launched and then started selling tickets. That gave us a bit of collateral behind us to then 
put the deposits down for the next band and so on. And with Skid Row, it was a case of I spoke to the European agent and I just asked if they were available, explained what we were doing. Um, and he basically came back and says, yeah, they're available. What's your best offer? So we went in with an offer and he kind of ummed and awed and said they might need a little bit more. So we went back again and they came back and said, yeah, but the only thing is, obviously, with you being a new event, we want all the money up front. You can't be sort of doing us like 50% up like beforehand and 50% after, which is fair to us because, you know, they, they did know us from Adam and as, as a new event, the, the, the trust's going to be quite minimal. So, um, yeah, we've we got them... To be honest, thinking back for a first event, it was quite straightforward. It wasn't that difficult. Um, but, yeah, and they, they came and they conquered. They were absolutely fantastic first year headliner. How do you switch from um, from being the fan of a band? Uh, Skid, Skid Row were, you know, Skid Row, one of those bands that were, you know, they they were at Monsters of Rock. You know, they were, they were in the 1992 bill. So uh, is it is it much easier to deal with the agents about trying to book a band? You don't you're not having to deal with the band themselves and and sort of switch from being a fan to being oh, I've got a job here to do do the best deal that I can for for the festival and make sure that we we cover our costs. How do, how's that? How do, how do you feel about wearing different hats? <laughs> Um, it was quite difficult the first year. I mean, Skid Row were one of my favourite bands as a as a as a youth. In fact, um, there's a photograph on my Facebook where I'm stood at Monsters of Rock in 1992, which was the first one I'd ever attended. And the and behind, I, I it's it's obviously you're, you're at the back, just sort of behind front of house, and um, it's it's before Skid Row do on stage. Uh-huh. So I'm stood there waiting for Skid Row in this photograph when I'm 14 year old. Um, and then sort of to be able to book them for our first event and then when going up and introducing myself to the band and asking if everything was okay and said, oh, by the way, lads, here's a photograph of what I'd like to show you. And um, Scotty Hill and Snakes, Dave Sabo, Snake, and uh, Rachel Bowling were like in absolute Oh, you know, it was like sort of, it was, it was almost as if it was a fan moment for themselves seeing a photograph of the crowd from that side on, yeah. waiting mm. for them to come on. Um, and they were just like sort of, you know, because... Obviously, they've played some massive gigs in their career. I mean, they did uh, the Moscow Peace Festival and loads of other huge huge stadiums and stuff. But I think to see it from a fan's perspective, that side on, and then to be talking to a fan who's then booked them a couple of years, well, quite a few years later, uh, I mean, it blew my mind. So I'm guessing it sort of (laughs) blew theirs a little bit. Um, But going back to your, your question, Brian, the... You've, you've got to do what's right for the festival. I've got a certain budget. I know how much money we can spend. I know how much everything's going to cost. Um, you know, I speak to Neil and Louise, the other directors, daily about everything what's going on with the festival. We're, we're all in it sort of pretty much every day. Um, so it's a case of this is the budget and every now and again it'll be like a, a slight temptation to sort of overpay and try to get the next level of band. But then mm-hmm. you kind of look and think, this could effectively sink the festival and we yeah. do this for like sort of chasing a bit of glory and then there's no more. So you've just got to like use that little bit of like sort of maturity, um, which over the last six years, it's, it's, it's a lot easier to not to get carried away because it's a case of in your mind, you know, how much you've got, how much you can pay and that's your budget. And agents will say, well, we need this, this and this. And it's like, that is how much I've got. I'm sorry. Um, you know, 
we were a 5,000 cap festival. The production we put on is huge. So there's only a certain amount of money available for the, for the artists and that's it. And sometimes they'll sort of like, well, thank you, but we can't do it. Other times there's a little bit more negotiation and we can work it out and we'll get them and it's in the, in the come and play and have the best time ever. I, I think that's, that that's, uh, it's very prudent of you. Um, and to be taking that type of approach. And as you say, you know, you've been going six years, obviously the, there was the year that, that, that we all missed out because of, because mm. of the pandemic. Um, but in the whole time that Matt and I've been doing the podcast, there has been, you know, there has been people trying to put festivals on. There's been, um, there's been a few events that have just gone to the wall over the years and people have, have, have really struggled, um, to put. So, you have to be prudent and you have to look at everything in the whole and say, look, um, we just can't push too far for some of some of the, uh, let's just say, major league uh, acts that the fans on your Facebook page will ask you, ask you to put mm. on. But, you you know, you, you work within your means, which is which is fantastic. Still great bills, though. Yeah. yeah. It's um, a lot. A lot of the way I sort of work it is it's from reading Niall Quinn's biography. <laughs> which is a fantastic read, and it's, there's a lot of stuff in there. Follow any anybody who's, who's looking at promoting a gig, read Niall Quinn's biography because there's a lot of stuff you can relate to in terms of like the music industry, and it makes a lot of sense. He was a very sensible chap, wasn't he, Niall Quinn? Yes, um, very sensible. Yeah, but he listen. had a very good head on his shoulders. Absolutely. I was going to ask you, Chris. I mean, you mentioned you're a, you're a fan of Skid Row, and you had them as the headliner on, your, on the first festival. And I'm, and I'm sure you're all rock fans. Um, it must be quite fun just kind of listing down, right, who do we think for 2025, 26 even? Do you, is it that sort of process? Is it a fantasy league type thing that you just kind of think, oh, I'd love to have Diamond Head, my favourite band, <laughs> or, or, or Brian's favourite band, King's X, um, for example. How, how tempting is it just to sort of make it a fantasy league thing? Um... The, probably the first two years quite easy but um there's a lot of theory work i put into sort of getting the, the bill and i did an interview actually on the day and i used monsters of rock 1985 as a prime example mm-hmm. with easy top marillion uh, bon jovi metallica um magnum and who else played 1985 it was easy top marillion bon, bon jovi, jovi. oh that's bon jovi yeah yeah metallica um, Magnum and Rats. That was it, Rats. So, piece. I mean, that that lineup there was. It's, it's quite eclectic, isn't it? Really, because you've got Marillion, mm. ZZ Top, Metallica. You've got Sleaze. You've got Prog. You've got Blues. You've got um, the glam stuff. And it was basically, I think, what Morris Jones and his team tried to do that year is, is sort of like say, right, okay, and um, we'll get the, the headbangers in, but we'll also get the, the people who like the pub rock and everything like that, and. For me, that's what I try to do every year when I come up with a list of bands is sort of say, right, okay, um, we've got a classic metal band, we've got something bluesy, we've got something sort of a bit hard-edged, we've got Mm. something a bit sleazy, we've got some new wave of British heavy metal in there, um, and it's just trying to do that. Sometimes it's not as easy as that, and sometimes we'll get an abundance where you can pick and choose which band you have for, which variation. So in terms of like... uh, a fantasy lineup. I mean, I, I would, I'll tell you now, 
out of every festival in the world ever, I would say Monsters of Rock 1988 would buy would be my ultimate fan, fantasy lineup. It's just that I Maiden, Kiss, Dave Lee Roth, Guns N' Roses, Megadeth, Halloween. That that when you look at sort of the that on one lineup to where the, the level of the bands they are all down now, I mean yeah. that's absolutely yeah. unbelievable. And you know, for, for me to, to sort of like say like that's a fantasy lineup, and then look at Stone Dingo, ain't going to happen. You know, it's mm. like that that would bankrupt the festival and possibly like everybody else who, who walks through the gates. Talking of eclectic, uh, uh, the bill uh, for 2024 has just been released. Um, and you're right. And you've got the Bites, who are excellent. Tail Gunner, who I think, talk about Nwobum. I mean, they're like the, the, the new Nwobum. Um, Bonafide, Eclipse, Doro. There's certainly a lot going on. Um, we won't ask you about the headliner, Chris, by the way. Um, I'm sure that's a, that's a very well-kept secret, so we won't touch yep. upon that. Unless you want to tell us behind closed doors, we're very happy, but we won't divulge. <laughs> of course. We've got we've got who, we, who we, we'd love to see. But uh, and that that brings me on to sort of um, I suppose how far out do you book everything? You know, we're talking now that you've announced the the most of the bill for next year. Um, I mean, how far out are you planning? Let's say twenty five, maybe even twenty six. Uh, there's conversations already happened for twenty five and twenty six. Wow. wow. Um, are they going? Are they going well, Chris? Yeah, yeah. Um, we've got a couple of things penciled in. Um, for 25, which which I'm very pleased with, um, and then a, which there'll be conversations between myself and the other directors just to sort of like firm that up once we've we've, we've got a, a bit further down the road. But yeah, it's I mean I, I I tried to to keep it at 18 months, but once you this is one of the the beauties of a nine band bill is. You've, you've got limited slots, so you fill up quite quickly. And then when some of the, the agents are coming at you saying, we've got this available, we've got this available, this available, you say, I'm sorry, I've already got my headline, I've already got my special guest. And then they'll say, what about 2025? Right. Um, and then and, you, and it just naturally leads on from there. I mean, the answer, uh, one band we tried for 2019, 2020, and we we'll, we'll basically got told um, 2023 will be the year. So we've had them pen we've had them penciled in since I think 2019, 2020, um, and all obviously through COVID. So we had an inkling that we'd be getting the answer this well, 2023 or 2024. Um so yeah, it's some of the stuff we're looking at quite quite a distance. But you've also got to think there's bands who aren't even on the scene yet who will probably be on in 2026. You know, there'll be someone who we've never heard of who were just kind of like in the throes of being a band at the minute and then they'll get a bit of momentum in the next 18 months and that'll be it. It's a bit like um, South of Salem, really, you know, um, and then the raps uh, and the obviously likes of Dead Man's Whiskey and all the, the bands mm. we've had early doors, you know. So um, I try to keep as, as many slots available early doors for these new hot bands just really because I think there's a lot of them need a bigger stage and they need the opportunities and the opportunities are quite few and far between really sadly so the one thing I was just uh, there's a couple of things Chris you you're you're absolutely right about um the how eclectic and, and covering good genres within your within your bill um for me 
I'm I'm your classic AOR guy. So, uh, you know, the fact that you have Eclipse, you've had Eclipse on the bill. I absolutely love Eclipse. Um, uh, uh, and in previous years, Heat, you've had you've had heat at your festival. So I'm, I'm your AOR guy. So you've, you've, you've got me. Taiketo as well. We should have had Taiketo in 2020. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, well, yeah, exactly. Uh, so uh, you've, you've got me in, but the, the one thing I was really, really um, intrigued and wanted to ask you was one of the highlights for this year's uh, festival. And I know they were on early, early doors on the day was Deraps, the Canadian band. And they just, they they were phenomenal. I loved them. You know the whole Van Halen vibe and um, where and how did you find them? Because that was, if um, you can correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, but that was their first ever show in the UK, wasn't it? First ever show in Europe. Wow. So was that how how do you what what homework do you put in because there was a lot of you know on the stone dead facebook page you know as every everybody talks about how great it was this year there was a lot of love and feedback for deraps and and probably a lot of uh, interest and in, from them to come back into the uk because it was such a great show yeah um with deraps they were um i looked up book and them in and it was june 2022 um so it was before we'd actually done the 2022 show um and i'd, I'd just been reading uh, classic rock and there was a small article on them about sort of uh canadian band the raps of, of releasing them so just uh, doesn't doesn't hurt to have a look so had a look at them on youtube and spotify and i thought these have got something. These are really good. Yeah. Like get some live footage up because you can. Bands can have the best, best promotional video, like in mm. whether like in a studio with like a million takes and everything like that. So they look dynamic and energetic. And then you see the live videos and the kind of like George Formby, you know, just sort of like mm. strumming and um, and there's just no dynamics. So I had a look at some videos and they'd been playing some big gigs in Canada. Um, so I just got in touch with the management and said, listen, we do this show in the UK called Stone Dead. I'd love to have the raps over. Um, obviously, they've never played the UK or Europe before, so the budget isn't going to be huge because they're not going to be a huge sort of like appeal. But I guarantee when the band come over, they're going to appeal to a lot of people and it's going to be very much worth the while. So we discussed it, got everything agreed straight away. Um Spoke to Jacob Deraps like quite a lot about plans we had for the show and what we wanted to do to make it look spectacular with like the dancers coming on for ballroom blitz and just loads of other other stuff just to add to the show. Um, and yeah, they, they came and they were they were totally humbled by it all. You know, the the came the, the girlfriends were there and they were like sort of amazed at the reaction they got for the first time in the UK. Um, and they were like, sort of like, we don't want to go home. We want to keep on doing this. And it's like, so I'm hoping now that people have seen them, they're going to get opportunities to come back, maybe as a support band or bring a package over because I think they would be really popular. And then they did other gigs in Europe and they went down really well as as, as well, you know. So stuff like that is what we'll try to do every year. We'll, we'll try to get like someone who's 
maybe, maybe one or two people turned up, but not everybody. We did this with Massive in 2019. And mm-hmm. when we announced Massive, they were one of the first bands we announced in 2019, along with the Amorettes, um, Diamond Head and Glenn Hughes. And people were like, oh, I've never heard of Massive. Um, and, and I remember on the Facebook one, I guarantee they will be one of your new favourite bands this time next year, once you've seen them. And they came on, they were second on, and from the off, they had everybody who was watching in the palm of the hand, and then they did dance floor, and that just became like a stone deaf anthem, like stone deaf anthem at the time, now stone dead. And every year, we'd, we'd just try to sort of like pick, pick a band out who people haven't heard of and seen. Like the Bites, would had them kind of in the pipeline long before that they've started appearing on, on other gigs. I was a bit kind of like, ah, everyone else is going to see them before we've announced them. But like, we've been talking about having them for like the last 18 months with um, uh, E-Rate Records. And it's the same with um, uh, the, 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 the likes of Eclipse and Bonafide. There's people who've never seen them before because they don't tend to play the UK a great deal. And they've, they've like, gone, like um, when the first saw the post when we did the big announcement, it was like, oh, I've never heard of Eclipse and never heard of Bonafide. I'm like, Take the next 30 seconds, Spotify them, YouTube them. It's that easy. It's actually quicker to Google them than it is to comment. I've never heard of them. But you know what's really good, Chris, is, is Matt, Matt and I, um, I I'm a, I'm a late comer to, to festivals um, in, in my life. You know, my first festival was in t- 2010. I, I did... Um, I did the high, high voltage festival. Matt and I did it the, the, the two years, and that was hooked. And we we've we've we did we did Rambling Man, uh, and we've made loads and loads of great friends. And and we we try and make sure that we go to as uh, as many festivals. And you know, Stone Dead for us is uh, it's it's in our diary. We've we've all got our mm. tickets for next year. But what's really interesting is we've got our own we have our own WhatsApp group. So we we have mm. we've got our Stone Dead WhatsApp WhatsApp group with we all do. of our friends, and it's really interesting when you announce the bill, you know, um, you know, Matt's 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 our Nawabum historian, so of course you've got KK Priest, um, you know, the guys will you know the guys will come on, uh, Doro we know Warlock from the eighties, and then there'll be a few that will be in the bill. Where the guys, have got, you know, a few people in our WhatsApp group will go, Eclipse, who are they? And then I come storming in with, uh, oh no, Eclipse are brilliant. You know, think about this. And, and uh, you know, and, and what it does is it, your, the, the bill that you put together makes us all have a conversation because some of us mm. will know some of the band, some of us won't. And then we kind of go, all right, great. Well, there'll be some that were like, I'm massively up for Eclipse, but I'm kind of going, um, and I know Tail Gunner um, r- reasonably well. I haven't seen ugly, I haven't seen odd, ugly kid Joe since we saw him at Ramblin' Man a few years ago. But they always mm. put a good show on. Your your headline is probably a one word bad, isn't it, Chris? <laughs> maybe, maybe five letters. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just wondering. Uh, I don't know. Let's just count. Um... <laughs> Uh, no. No. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> there was a few more, maybe there's a couple of lines. We might have to sort of like sort of like arc the name or something, I don't know. You're either you're either you know, you're, you've either got a very good poker face, because everyone would have been thinking, Oh, we we thought Saxon. And oh. now he said it's more than five letters. Oh, who could it be? Um I'm sure I'm sure you're not gonna divulge either. Mm-hmm. 
I want to talk to you about social media. You've touched upon um, Facebook. Uh, I mean, uh, we're on the Facebook, Stone Dead Facebook page. Um, I mean, there is always a lot of speculation. And also people saying, how about this for a, for a, for a, for a bill? I mean, firstly, how much notice do you take? Uh, and also, is there any kind of, do you get any pressure? Do you feel the pressure from fans in those in those situations? Well, obviously, we'll keep an eye on what, be, what they want, um, because at the end of the day, it's we're doing it for them. And if they decided they no longer want it and they, re, and they don't want to buy tickets, then it's, there's no stone dead. So we have to pay attention and we've got to make sure that what we do is the best of the best to our abilities to put on the show that people want. I mean, it's, it's, we, we say every year, thank you for letting us do your festival. You know, it's, it's, we're not doing it for us. We're doing it for people like us. Um, so we do pay attention. Uh, I mean, some of the some of the things that come up with are a bit like sort of like whoa, way, um, like some of the band suggestions and some of the requests on just the general things for the site. Like, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Say, like, we have, and it would cost a lot of money, which would have to take from certain other pots, and other things wouldn't be as good. So we do pay attention. Um, personally, I like to know what we're not doing really well, so we can get better, rather than sort of pay attention to sort of all. Oh, the toilets were brilliant this year. A good slip. The bar was really quick. Yada yada yada. I like to know the sort of things which people had problems with, so we can make it better and get everything ironed out. I've said for the last few years, we don't want to be the biggest. We just want to be one of the best. Not the best because that's going to be impossible. Just one of the best. And toilets are very important, Chris. Of course. Y yes, yes, um, they are. Uh, <laughs> we spend a lot of money on the toilets. It's probably, <laughs> I think, let's think after. Outside of the, um, the 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 headliner and special guest, it's probably the fourth biggest outlay financially it's for toilets. Right. Yep. Oh wow! There's a lot of money in po portable toilets. You can't call them portaloos because that's trademarked. <laughs> gotcha. What what's yeah. what, what's the one thing, Chris, in the in the five six years that you've you know, what, whatever you've done in your previous life, life, what is the one thing now in the last six years that you've now become an expert in that you never thought in your puff that you would be an expert in? Lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a, the, the, like, portaloos, uh, you just... We actually, we had... Uh, the reason I know this is because we had portaloos on our website and they must have sort of some kind of IPO researcher who just types in sort of portaloo into Google and then it pings up on every website, like what's using the term portaloo. So the this lady had emailed and said, oh, just to let you know that um, portaloo is a trademarked name, yada, yada, yada. You can't use it unless you're officially using uh, portaloos and everything. So I was like, okay, thanks for this information. I will now change it to portacropper. <laughs> um, that, was, that was the response I used uh, and she never emailed back <laughs> oh brilliant so yeah I mean things like just understanding um, some of the legalities of it uh, fortunately we've got um, a fantastic lady called Fiona who helps us with, with all of our, our legal stuff now um, and you know any anything we need help with just drop her an email and she'll sort of come back with the um, a sensible solution rather than my sort of off the cuff antics and sort of like no chris you can't do that it's like all right okay then 
Um, so, yeah, we've, we've gained a lot of um, experienced people on the periphery of the team who we can go to for advice and guidance and it just sort of sets us up well for making sure that we'll do everything right. And one of the things I was going to ask, because there, there's, and this is good for uh, consumers like Matt and I, you know, we, we go to Stone Dead, we do Steelhouse. Um, I'm obviously up in the north. I'm up in Edinburgh in Scotland, but we've now got Made of Stone. Uh, Matt goes to a few other festivals. Is is there is there a sense of community amongst the the all of the fe- you know uh, the 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 festival bookers? You know, do do you all talk to each other in the sense of you know? Um, Whenever you're looking at bills or looking at, do, do, do you do you sort of go, well, this guy, this this band or this artist is coming over to the UK, um, rather than you all try and book the same sort of bands? Do, do you have, you know, do you work in in collaboration with with other festivals? Yeah, um, there's a few which I talk to, sorry, on a daily basis or weekly basis. Yeah. I was just talking to Raz White at um, Call of the Wild earlier on. Mm-hmm. Just about a few things, because um, he also represents Sheep Burns Red. He manages them. Um, over COVID, I was talking to the guys from Steelhouse quite a bit, um, just when things were looking like they were going to open back up. But we knew that bands from the um, from outside the UK wouldn't be able like, to get in. So I was speaking to Mikey and Max about what they were looking at. So... We didn't book the same bands, like because we went for massive wagons. They had Stone Broken, and we're pretty much at the same lists. And I just said, "Listen, this is who we're interested in. Yeah. Have you got them?" And they said, "Yeah." And I said, "Right, okay, I'll avoid them, and we'll try other avenues." And it's just a little bit of uh, mutual respect, like that, where we'll we'll try and help each other. Sometimes it's not as easy because um, the agents will, uh, won't divulge where where they're playing and and stuff like that. So you've got to take pot look. Or if you're friendly with the other promoters, you can say. These are who I'm interested in. What's your thoughts? And they'll go, yeah, we're kicking as well. And then they'll say, all right, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll leave you leave you to it and and stuff like that. So there is there is there's quite a few of us who do talk and help each other out as best we can. But at the end of the day, everybody's interest lies with their own festival and they want to make it as as good and as best as they can, which is only natural. Yeah. Let's talk about the, the the event itself, Chris, which is a, an amazing event. As you say, it's for the people, by the people, and the vibe is great. It's a fantastic. They're always very friendly. They're very they're very jovial. Um, but what about the bands? What, tell us about the bands. We're interested in the backstage stories. Um, but firstly, what do you do when someone drops out? I've always wondered that because last year, no, this year, where are we? Um, Mason Hill sadly had to drop out, and you brought in the excellent Florence Black. Uh, uh, to short notice. Do you, do you have a bench? Not literally, obviously. Do you have a kind of a, a like a set of reserves or someone you can call upon? I know that um, uh, those damn crows are, have stepped in a few times at festivals over the years, as you, as you said. COVID affects a lot of people. Um, uh, but do, do you do you kind of allow for it? Do you have a contingency plan? One of the the the, the joys of the way we work is we've always got conversations going with the agents. Um, regardless of what we've got on the lineup, there's always conversations going backwards and forwards. Um, I mean, going back to 2021, when we mm. had, I'm trying to think, we, we had Ty Kettle for 2020. Uh, they couldn't get over, so we thought, right, we'll try European bands, so we went with Heat. And then into 2021, because we had V-Rocks, Massive, 
for the Friday night, and then we had massive wagon. Uh, sorry, we had uh, heat for the the main day on the Saturday. We knew that they were going to get over in July. That was like there was just no flights coming over. Um, to well, there was flights, but they would have had to come in for two weeks, uh, to do a one-off gig. And so we kind of said, we'll we'll put it on the back burner for for this year. Um, and then obviously we'll have wagon stepping, um, and the treatment, uh, coming in. But we'd already had the treatment booked for 2022. So I just spoke to their agent and said, listen, can we move you forward a year? And they said, yeah, the lads will bite your hand off for that. So it was great until. 11 o'clock on the Friday night of 2022 when, no, sorry, 2021, I got a phone call to say the treatment can't play tomorrow. The singer's got COVID. Um, but fortunately, we had Blaze doing it with Absolver, so Absolver stepped mm-hmm. in. Uh, so sometimes it's good luck rather than good management. But we do sort of now have, like, options. It's like, in a football analogy, we'll, we'll keep the bench full. And we'll make sure we've got a good bench. <laughs> My wife asked me to ask you a question, Chris. Um, she said, what are the highs and lows of a festival? Uh, you've been doing it for a few years now, but the high points and the low points. Oh, I think the low points were posted, obviously, during COVID. Um, that was but that was really difficult because it was kind of like unprecedented times. But the whole world was going through it, so it was a case of, like, you can't feel sorry for yourself because there's people going through a lot worse than you worrying about your festival. Uh, but every other festival was going through, and as I say, we'll, we'll build up a good little rapport with other events and sort of, like, what you're doing. And, like, we, we did our web fest, people were doing webcasts. Um, so as much as that was a bit rough, we managed to get through it, and we came out the other end quite well. I think, to be honest... The lowest point of all of this was um, maybe early 2018 when uh, there, was, there was a little bit of turbulence, I would say, with the, the way Stone Deaf at the time was running and there was a little bit of inexperience in the team and just there was like little rumblings and we had a few people drop off going, I just can't do it, this is just not for me. Um, and it left us with five people, which eventually was just me, Louise and Neil left running, running, running it as directors. Um, so it was a case of literally grabbing it by the, the scruff of the neck, putting your big boy's pants on, and you're saying, well, we've committed to this now. We've got nearly a 1,000 people already who bought tickets. Uh, you're going to let them down if, if we don't do it. So it was a case of just get on with it. And, yeah, and it was that was quite tough and hard because it was you were trying to convince people that we were going ahead and to buy a ticket early doors just because the way we're having to pay the bills. But fortunately, it kicked in and we did all right. Um, as I said, you know, we had 1,800 people in. Uh, we didn't, we weren't in the red. We've never been in the red touch wood. Um, so that was probably the, the roughest point, like like maybe it's a low. Highlights, far too many to mention. I think every year's got a dozen. Um, mm. But I think, personally, that first year when we opened the gates and we had like thousands of people coming straight, well, 1,800 people streaming in, um, and the, just the faces was just absolutely like beaming because they had been with us from the start and, and they could see obviously all the tears and the blood and stuff would, would put in. Um, and I would also say maybe when we opened the gates in 21, because mm-hmm. we'd gone through so much with COVID, um, we'd got to the, the gig on the Monday that there was no stage, the stage was delayed, we didn't actually get the stage 
being constructed till the Thursday. They were still actually putting the pee up as people were queuing to get in on the Friday night. But on that Saturday, when once people came in and could see the arena, and for a lot of them it was the first gig they'd done in two years, mm-hmm. and just to see that the beam and faces was that was like, I suppose, imagine being in the, working in Disney World, seeing small kids coming through and seeing the castle and, and Mickey Mouse for the first time. That's what it was like for us, just seeing them people. And then twenty two, when would went big with the production and the bigger stage and everything. And the the people who've been there from the first year coming in to see the arena with the, the big screens and the big stage and just the jaws dropping as if to say, we've all been part of this and, and look, look at what we've done. So, as I say, there's dozens of highlights every year, but I would say those three moments over the, the six will probably be the, the ones I would, if we ever did our memoirs, that would be like the highlights in the memoirs. And it's... Uh... Yeah. And what There's a- an idea, Chris. The Stone Dead story. How about that? Um, well, it would be it would be a good one. To, the, I mean, the, the, some of the stories which will be included with that, and we've already said jokingly, um, if we went to Netflix, you know, would have um, Windsor Davies for Neil, Lee Evans for me, Sandra Bullock for Louise. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I mean, I can just imagine Lee Evans sort of running around going I can't believe what's happening we've got no stage sweating and sort of like with his towel and stuff like that I think it would be hilarious who's going to play Crusher though who would play Crusher um, Crusher Crush, Crush would have to play himself he would he would he would that, do you know that's a lovely touch you know for, the, for, for those of us who are you know uh You've got your monsters of rock veterans, but then you've got your Kerrang veterans, you know, and and mm. just seeing Crusher Crusher on stage and doing what he does in his own inimitable way, it's just it's a, it's a it's amazing. But I, I have to say, one of the things, um, w- one of the questions I, I have. So over the years, y- you have listened to your fans. The one thing I will say is, from twenty two to twenty three. The way in which you, whether you, whether it's a subtle change, the, the the way in which you changed the whole taxi, uh, that ran a dream this year, um, Chris. That was that was excellent. What what's been what's been your biggest? Because twenty twenty three was a great great bill. Um, the weather was kind. Um, for those that were travelling down from Scotland, we were we were kind of going. This could be a real rain fest, and and we weren't too bad. Um, what what's what's been the biggest learning from 2023 um, from the feedback that you've got that you you take into 2024? Um, I mean, there's always bits from each year when we're 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 talking to the fans. I mean, me, Louise, and Neil go out every year on the Sunday morning, um, and we'll walk through the campsite, ask everyone if they've had a good time, sort of like how's it been for you, um, and we have a, a good chinwag and. The majority of people are always sort of, you know, ecstatic and really kind and stuff. And then you'll get a, like, a little sort of like a grumble about and some of the stuff I'm thinking, well, there's not a great deal we can do about that. Like, you know, sort of the, mm. the bumpy ground in the campsite or the potholes in the car park. There's, there's not a great deal I can do about that. Just maybe sort of drive slowly on your way home. Yeah. Um, but I think from 23, obviously the, the difference is from 20... Sorry, 19, 21, 22, 23, is we've increased capacity as well each year. So we've, we've, we haven't done it too quick. We'll make sure that we're comfortable with what we're doing. And then we're going, right, okay, let's take a step up and go with another thousand and then another thousand and then get to a point where 
you kind of know you, you're touching your limits with like the car park and then the campsite and mm. in the arena. And what we don't want to do is get it so everyone's like shoulder to shoulder and they're stepping over people to get around the arena if they're at the back. Yeah. We want to make sure it remains comfortable and spacious, but in the same means have a good atmosphere and have enough people there to pay the bills. Um, one of the things I was going to, yeah, and you must, this is really, it's the, it's, I don't want to use the word conspiracy theories, but, but what was fantastic this year is we saw Brian Tatler. So Brian Tatler was in, in, was in amongst watching the gig. And also, um, I think Blaze was in the audience as well too. Yeah, Blaze and Brian Tatler came together. <laughs> they did. And you've no idea where, where, you know, Matt's a Matt's a massive uh, Diamond Head fan, and uh, and and they're there. Hmm. You know, they're sitting watching the festival, and you can just imagine you're sitting there going, "Sorry, this is the this is the fanboy and me." I'm kind of going, hmm. "Right, right." So so Blaze so Blaze is here. He's checking out for next year, and he's been invited down. So right, Wolfsby and oh, but Wolfsby and have been on before. Oh, and Brian Tatler's here, right? But Brian Tatler, so Diamond Head have played before, but Diane. Brian Tatler's a touring guitarist in Saxon at the moment. Right, that's that's Saxon Neil Dawn. So you can just imagine anybody that comes as a punter or, you know, comes to watch because at a festival, if they're in a band, if anybody sees them, it's you just it's it is I have to say the Facebook page is amazing how people will sort of put one or two things together. And then it's like, oh, we, we know who's on the bill for next year because we've seen such and such. It, 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 honestly, it's it's brilliant. But the good thing is it, it just gets everybody talking. And here you are, Chris, before Christmas, pretty much with a sellout festival for, for 2024. You know, I'm sure a lot of the packages for camping, it, it's all pretty much gone. And you haven't even announced your headliner. So people are... People trust you with the bill, but actually enjoy the festival for what it is in that in that one, you know, that, as you say, you know, uh, one day, one stage, albeit the Friday night. We've, we've got the Friday night, which is, and I have to say, the Friday night this year with uh, with with Mikey Gray, Karma Effect and Kira Mack was fabulous. Mm. You know, so, Yeah. Matt, can I just ask, did you come to Stone Deaf in 2019? I did not. No, I had cancer, ah, Chris. I, I was recovering from cancer, so I, oh, I missed right. a couple of years. And uh, this year I moved house. Well, why do you ask, my friend? Well, if you go on YouTube and uh, Stone Deaf 2019, Diamond Head, Am I Evil? Mm. And, and this, this was like possibly one of the most amazing things ever. Speaking of highlights, this was like absolutely mind-blowing. For our second year, I mean, we had Glenn Hughes, Inglorious, Phil Campbell, Wayward Sons, um, mm. Jeff Tate, Diamondhead, the Amaretts Massive on the, on the Saturday, uh, with Samarkand as the opener. And um, we, we had a Dakota doing a flyover, and they were meant, yeah. they meant, they were meant to do the flyover uh, just as the Amaretts were coming off stage, and it got delayed slightly. I mean, and we, I mean, you get live music delays, but this was a Dakota doing like, and it got delayed. So we got word that they were going to come over, and it was, it was like, and looking at the time, it was going to be mid diamond, and I was like, oh shit, just what you want is like sort of there on stage, and there's a, a bloody plane um, flying over. Um, 
so anyway, just as uh, Diamond Head were doing Am I Evil, and they, it builds up and builds up, and then all of a sudden the guitar solo kicks in, this Dakota just like come over the crowd, and it was just like, you couldn't, you couldn't time it any better. It was just like the most amazing timing ever. And as the, 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 the song finished, and it was like, thank you, Stone Death, blah, blah, blah. Um, and as they the came off, it did the last flight literally just right over the stage. And on the video, it's, it's, it's as if we'd choreographed it. It was just amazing. So watch that. Um, I will. And Brian, Brian Tatter was just like, I've never competed with a Dakota doing a guitar solo before. I must say, I love the plane. I was there last year. I don't know whether it was a Dakota or a Lancaster or whatever. Lancaster. But I don't know whether it was the hangover from the night before or the booze on the day, but I'm standing there. It's a lovely day and I'm in tears because there's this beautiful plane and an amazing festival. And I'm not afraid to say, but I had a few tears because it's, it's awe-inspiring, isn't it? When you see the plane come over, it's just amazing. Yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, this year it went over during the raps, um, just as they were coming to the end of the set. And I thought that was quite fitting as well because it was their first European gig. Um, I just hope they don't expect that every time they do play a European gig outside because they might be a little bit disappointed. But one of the nice things about um, the f- festival as well too, uh, Chris, is um, you do, there's quite a lot of charity um, uh, support um, you know, amongst, you know, whenever you come into the, with the vendors, um, I certainly, I remember when we came in this year, there was um, mental health um, yeah. support. Andy's Man Club. Yeah, which That's I thought right. was really good. So um, mm-hmm. in terms of some of the the, the, the um, charity work and, and who, you know, in terms of the selection of the vendors, etc., which make up the vibe or, you know, just the whole setup for the festival. How do you, do you, as well as booking the bands, do you, do you get involved uh, around sort of the help and the layout and the, the choice of the, the charities that you guys support on a, on a year, year to year basis? The, the layouts kind of evolved naturally from the first year. The, the first year we actually had the stage um, where the, the marquee of metal is, where the small traders tent is the big white tent. The stage was actually there and we've rotated around um, just because th- that first year the sun was coming down in people's eyes during Wolfsbane and the choir boys and you just got everybody like doing that, like looking at the stage. Um, and the vendors, the most of who did the first year have been with us ever since. And then it's just a case of listening to the fans and it's a, um, what food would you like to see and it's a lot of them will say, well, I went here and the food was great, but it would be nice if we had this choice. So then you go out and you look and you just try and fill the gaps. I mean, uh, we have a lot of vegan and vegetarian people come uh, and people who've got like nut allergies and, you know, the uh, lactose intolerant and stuff. So in, on the application form, now it's a case of do you, do you offer vegan or vegetarian? Do you have any nut allergies? Uh, do you sort of like gluten-free, lactose intolerant? Are you cash card, cash only? And then we'll put this little sheet out every year to sort of say, these are the food vendors we've got. These are the different choices. But we also let you bring your own food in. And you can bring four of your own cans of beer in. That's really good. That, um, is, u- that is unique. I think we all applaud that, Chris. Um, the four cans of beer or whatever. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a lovely gesture, and it does stand you out from the crowd, doesn't it, of course? I mean, with that as well, it's 
Um, it's, it's that's one of the things where it harks back to the days of Monsters of Rock, where you could bring your mm. square container in full of um, beer um, before you launched it up the stage, or <laughs> someone suspecting person, yeah, in the cut you on the back of the head or side of the face, or if you're really unlucky, the front. Um, but yeah, I mean, with that, it's a case of you know, it's an adult festival. Every, everyone's mature enough not to sort of do anything daft. Um, we, we know that once you've had your cans, you're going, you're going to prefer a cold pint and stuff. But obviously, if you're bringing your own favourite drinks in, it saves of ha having to have like sort of 50 choices at the bar to try and cater for everyone's tastes. Um, and it's just, as you say, it's, it's a nice touch and it just makes everybody feel like they're being trapped like a responsible adult. Um, bringing your own food in because, you know, you might have some kind of um, allergies where you need to have your own own food or you just want to have you know your your fish paste sandwiches or whatever you want to have um mm. but on the flip side we speak to the traders every year and say this is what we'd like you to do this is can you keep your prices down what are you going to charge um and we'll monitor them and if any of them do sort of try and sneak the prices up we have a word and if they do it again they don't get invited back um because we want people to come and enjoy themselves we don't want to spend a fortune we don't want to be getting ripped off but in the same means that we want the traders to to make money so we'll limit um the amount of traders we have and the, and if we've got some guy who's doing burgers he's the only person doing burgers if there's a guy mm -hmm. doing chinese food he's the only person doing chinese food curries and everything else like that so it's basically the, they've got like kind of the the market so to speak um so we'll try to be as fair as we can with it with the traders and make sure that they get enough footfall but also the main responsibility is to make sure that the fans come they're not getting ripped off with the food they've got a good selection of food and it's good quality do you know one of the things chris that's actually really really good um is the self or the self monitoring that the fans do themselves you know it, it's probably I, I don't know if it's a post that you put up or, or neil puts up it's you know after we've all gone away it's really, really nice that you see after, say, 24 hours and you actually look at the site and mm. the amount of self-policing that people do. You know, you can see if, you know, if somebody has a, a can of beer or they have their food wrappings or their packaging lying about, people will actually get off the, or the backsides and go and put their own stuff in the bins. Yeah. And it, and it, and it's really, it's, it's nice when you see, you know, it's probably one of the great learnings from monsters of rock and Donington to what you're doing in stone dead is you look at how it was decimated in the eighties, you know, yeah. you, you look at uh, how, you know, it probably, or Glastonbury, all these big festivals where it's like takes weeks and hundreds of people to tidy it up. I know you've very much got your, you know, 150 plus volunteers, but within X amount of hours, you know, a couple of days, that site looks as if there hasn't been a festival on it because people are self-policing. People are even saying, excuse me, mate, you dropped your rubbish. Can you put it in the bin? And that's, that's, that's one of the lovely things about how it works. And people will call people out on social media, you know, just remind, not call them out, but remind people, hey, when you come to the festival, put your own rubbish in the bin. Yeah. Uh, normally the, the rubbish, the, 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 what Neil does um, with the photograph, that's normally within 24 hours. Yeah. So I think it's like mid-afternoon on the Sunday once the, the campsite's being cleared. It's a case of this is this is what it's like. A lot of the time, the site's actually tidier 
than it is when we first take it over. Because um, there's, there's like there's been times where we've took took over the site from a previous event and there's just like crap all over the place and say, like, hang on a minute, like what's going on here? You're not tidying up after yourselves. And yeah, so it's it's the site's tidier um, than it is when we're taking over. And the showground are ecstatic, you know, they, they, they know that we're looking mm. after, we're responsible. Yeah. And again, it goes back to sort of that we're all responsible adults um, who were put it on and 99.99% of the people who attend are like that, you know, they care. Uh, and the, the, they know that sort of like the, the time we're spending tidying up and cleaning up is less time we can spend making sure that everything else is running properly. And it, we're doing, and we're making sure that the good things are brilliant, you know. So it's 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 all part of the the family ethos we've got, really. That's excellent. No, it's 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 uh, the vibe is amazing at Stone Dead, and uh, long may it continue, Chris. Um, we're 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 running out of time. We're, we're conscious of letting you have your your chili. You should rice. be having your tea. <laughs> uh, So, Chris, it's it's currently at five thousand people. You mentioned you've been kind of edging the, the the capacity up over the years. What's the plan? What's the dream? Are you going to keep it at five thousand, or do you want to change sites, or what? Can you let us into the kind of long term plan? Is there one? Um, the the plan is just to keep on doing what we're doing and get better at it. Uh, we do as I said earlier on. We don't want to be the biggest. We just want to be one of the best. I think 5,000 is a nice number. Um, whether or not we'll go beyond that, I don't know. We're just trying to perfect what we're doing. Um, the the dream for me, personally, um, is to make sure that we sell out well in advance. Selling out by Christmas is a phenomenal dream, which I, I thought, that's, ah, that's it's a bit pie in the sky. But the way things are going, it's looking very likely this year. Um, we've mm -hmm. only got, I think, 500, just over 500 tickets left. Um, and out over two since two months of having them on sale, so just con uh, selling out every year, I'm happy with, and I think everybody in the team's happy. Neil and Louise are ecstatic every year when we sell out. It's like we're like kids at Christmas when that sold out poster goes up. Uh, so in terms of the, the long term plan is just to keep on getting better at what we're doing and just keeping everybody happy. As long as the fans and the bands are happy. Everything else should just work. So, Chris, you mentioned at the outset Skid Row, one of your favourite bands. They were first headliner on the bill. Fantasy Festival. Fantasy Stone Dead. If money was no object, who would you have on the bill? Who would be your headliner? Um, I mean, realistically... Um, Obviously, you're at 5,000 capacity, maybe it's a smidgen more. You're not going to get your maidens, and you, you know, but I think for something which we could possibly do long term, I would love Nightwish. Nightwish is one of my favorite bands, personally. I think they're, they're bombastic in what they do. The, the stage show is fantastic, they're a little bit different, but in terms of um, the songs to do, the, the catchy, the sing along, uh, special guests, I think Airborne. Um, that would be a good sort of axis where you've got like proper pub rock and roll, then you're going off to something symphonic and a bit more technical with, with Nightwish. Um, and then going as we we'll go further down, I would love to have something like uh, Testament or Overkill, like a really hard edge thrash band, old school thrash band. Um, and then look at something like, I don't know, we've already had massive wagons, but I think wagons would be good there for a mid-afternoon mid bill. Um mm -hmm. 
and then just going further down, it's it's bands we've already had. I think you know the likes of Wayward Sons, um, Kicking Valentina, Kicking Valentina were one of the best sets I think for a lot of people. I'd have them back in a heartbeat. It's amazing. Um, South of Salem, like I, I would love to see South of Salem come back one day and headline. I think if they were like if they were doing their full stage show in the dark with the pyro and the dancers and everything else, that would be like on on par with I don't know like maybe Kiss back in the day. It would just be wow. like like just be amazing. But yeah, going back to the, the the dream, I think Nightwish and Airborne as a top two would be absolutely dreamy. Fantastic! Sounds good. Can't wait. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> Right, any any last comments for you before I, I close? I, no, no, I've got well apart apart from the fact that the, the, the Chris Chris needs he needs to you know somewhere down the line if Kings X ever come back to the UK you know they're they're special mention for Kings X there. Well, here's a one for you. Um, Kings X have got the same agent as uh, the Raps. Wow. Oh, don't you heard it here first, bro. So, so there's there's there's, com- there's there's already been conversations mentioning those words. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I'm sold. And if you're going to say it's 25 or 26, I'll buy both years in advance pre-order. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, um, I looked at trying to get King's X um, for, well, yeah, over the last few years. And it's just one of those things where they're not, they're not available to do one-offs in Europe and that's the big thing trying to get a band over from America to do a one-off in Europe um, or trying to get a run of dates to make it financially viable because they're not going to come over and want to lose money it's I mean you, you wouldn't do that you know you wouldn't go to you wouldn't go to work and, and sort of like not be able to afford to live by doing it you know um, and it's the same with bands so hopefully one day it'll happen but King's X are definitely on, on the list of many wow You've made, his, you've made his night. Chris. You've made my night. <laughs> the, the fact that, yeah, anybody that knows King's X is a friend of mine. <laughs> Great band. Oh, I saw them for the first time in 1991 um, at the Riverside in Newcastle. Right. I saw them in, the New, I saw them in Newcastle. Yeah. They had a night. They were, they were touring with ACDC. Um, and... ACDC. I don't think ACDC didn't have a show at the at the. They weren't playing Newcastle. They weren't no, playing Newcastle. Was, no, they didn't. Yeah, uh, they didn't play mm. Newcastle. So I think they 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 played in Bur- they did, they would have played the NEC in Wembley um, and probably somewhere up maybe Edinburgh. They, they were done at Edinburgh Glasgow gig, and they came down and the Newcastle audience just absolutely we we just lapped them up. You know, Kings X were our mm. were our band, and they played the Riverside and they blew the place apart. Yeah, the the the, um, the supported maiden on the European leg of the No Prayer on the Road. Um, they would like they did the European dates. Ah, because Wolfsbane did the Wolfsbane did the, the British, they did yeah, the British. Uh, Wolf, yeah, Wolfsbane did the Intercity Express, and then they came back and did the arena shows with Anthrax. Aye. Um, and put the European dates. It was King's X. So I remember having a bootleg video um, and Bruce Dickinson saying sort of like in a big thanks to King's X for supporting us on this tour and uh, sort of there was a couple of grumbles from the audience and Bruce mm. says, oh, come on, man, they're a brilliant band. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But you know what's nice, uh, what's nice, uh, Chris, for the, for those people that are 
are invested in your fest and in, in the festival because they enjoy it uh, for the just for for all of it. It, it is it's really interesting because obviously I, I like my prog, I like my prog metal. Uh, I love you know I I love the 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 lineup of Dream Theater with um, uh, and now that Mike Portnoy's back in the band, you, you can't help it but go. As a fan, you're going, oh man, would wouldn't it, you know, wouldn't it be brilliant to have Dream Theater with Mike Mike Portnoy headlining um, Stone Dead? So I, I'm I'm as I'm as everybody everybody will be looking at who's going in and recording an album, who's who's you know, and we all have who we would like to have as a have as a headliner, and that's where that's the beauty of what you do, Blue Oyster Cult this mm. year, you know, pretty much. Um, didn't see that coming at all and they come across and yes we know a couple of their big songs the big song but uh a lot of they gained a lot of fans from the set that they did on the saturday night yeah. so it's great it's great i mean i was stood with uh the manager for this for most of the set um and he was over the moon with the, the reaction they yeah. got um the production and he was full of praise afterwards. You know, he was over the moon with how the the band would treat, how they were looked after, how they were sort of presented on stage. And I spoke to the band after the gig, and they, they were over the moon. You know, because the the they're the now sort of towards the twilight of their career, and sort of the like the the, the big shows like that in Europe probably sort of aren't going to be as, as many. They're, they're not going to do as many shows in Europe anyway. Yeah. But Blue Oyster Cult, a lot of people thought would have them on the lineup long before we did because of the way the artwork was with the Reaper over the five graves. Oh, yeah. But that, yeah. But, but that artwork, it was um, with it being the fifth anniversary, and I spoke to Mick, the designer, like I think it was in May, uh, before we actually did um, 2022, and I said, "Look, for next year, I'd like to have the five graves with the five with the, the, the lineups on, and then like sort of like our mascot Jeff over the top, like kind of like, like sort of like the tales from the crypt kind of crypt uh-huh. keeper." And he said, "Oh, well, why don't we have like the Grim Reaper? Because when we had Black Star Riders in 2020, we had a an artwork done where Jeff was like a Grim Reaper on a horse." Is like for like Black Star Riders, but we couldn't fit the, the artwork on the poster and all the bands were without it looking enough. So we kept the, the, the Grim Reaper, and everyone was like, Oh, I bet it's Blue Oyster Cult with that. And it's like, Ah, it's not, it's not. So it's like, um, and then we ended up getting Blue Oyster Cult. Um, but because of that, people now think that there's hints on every artwork and the scrutinizers, yes. and it's yes. like you have it upside down, absolutely. And and I've read um, someone. I read, I read someone the other day saying, "Yeah, I'm looking at it now the, for next year. Yeah, the wings. That must mean uh, I don't know whatever it might be. You know, this, this, this conspiracy theories to the cows come home. Until you announce it, of course, then, then that'll be it. Um, I'm going to close now, Chris. I'm going to let you get on with your chili. Um, so, Chris Sumby, director of show promotion and band bookies. The magnificent Stone Dead Festival. Thank you so much for being on. For those about to pub, we salute you. And as they say, we shall see you at the bar. Yes, in August. Indeed. Look forward to it. Take care of yourself, Chris. Thanks again. All the best. Thank you very much. Thank you for all your time, Chris. It was brilliant. Thanks for your time. Take care. Thank you. See you later.
Those about the pod, we salute you, is a Maylee Rogers production. 